I elected to have Christmas dinner in hell and took my lover with me. Not a literal hell, of course. As a materialist, I didn't believe in such things. But if proved wrong and condemned by a deity cruel enough to fashion me to love men, then proceed to damn me for it, I rather imagined I'd find myself spending eternity here in my childhood home. But at least this version of hell contained an angel. Griffin, I'm glad you came, my mother exclaimed, kissing me on the cheek. Griffin's smile removed some of the lines of care from his face. I always found him damnably handsome, with his overlong chestnut curls and bright green eyes, but his grin brought out all of his devilish charm. Thank you for the invitation, Heliobel, he said. May I say how lovely your home looks? I don't think I've ever seen a Christmas tree quite so large. I eyed the monstrosity in the foyer. Like everything in Wyborn House, it was absurdly ostentatious, as if Father refused to take the chance any visitor might forget just how rich and powerful a man lived here. The pinnacle of the towering evergreen brushed the ceiling twenty feet above, and its boughs hung low beneath the weight of ornaments, ribbons, and softly glowing candles. Melting beeswax perfumed the air alongside the spice of conifer. The sights and smells transported me involuntarily to the holidays of my youth, most of which featured my brother opening great mounds of presents and myself making do with a few books from Mother and an orange from Miss Emily. Father gave me a child-sized pair of boxing gloves one Christmas. I hadn't thought of those in years. Griffin arched a brow. Did he? That seems an unlikely gift. A charitable way of saying I wasn't the most athletic of men. He had unrealistic hopes, I muttered, glaring at the tree. I itched to speak the words which would set it on fire, but burning down the house seemed a bit much, even on Christmas. Have you investigated any interesting cases lately, Griffin? Mother asked, rescuing the conversation. Griffin began to relate the details of a kidnapping he'd recently looked into, successfully, I should add, with the abducted tyke returned to his family unharmed. I stood back and watched them. Griffin looked quite fine, dressed in his best suit, wearing the emerald tie I'd given him for a Christmas present. With his broad shoulders and trim form, he presented the very image of vigorous manhood. Mother stood in sharp contrast. The year hadn't been kind to her, but none ever were. Her health broke when she delivered my twin sister and me into the world. My sister never even took a breath, and I'd spent a good deal of my childhood sickly. Mother hadn't left the house for years. I couldn't recall the last time she'd set foot across the threshold, but she had abandoned the refuge of her room and dressed for dinner. And if her skin held an unnatural pallor and her smile wore lines of pain around the edges, I couldn't help but feel even more grateful for her kindness to Griffin. Had it merely been the three of us, I would have looked forward to the afternoon with great anticipation. Unfortunately, I possessed other family members. Percival, father said crisply striding into the foyer as if onto a battlefield, such as he fought on under the command of General Grant. Although the years had grayed his hair and beard, 
His back remained unbent and his eyes still glittered like knives. His lips pressed into a thin line, but he nodded in Griffin's general direction. Mr. Flaherty? Mother folded her hands together. Wasn't it kind of Griffin to join us for the holiday? She asked pointedly. Father had been involved in a cult which first unjustly confined Griffin to a madhouse, then tried to sacrifice him to an undead abomination. I rather thought it beyond kind for Griffin to respond to the invitation at all, instead of just flinging it into the fire. Society, however, would more likely overlook father's crimes than the one Griffin and I committed by virtue of falling in love.